Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the digital sales leadership and coaching platform that's transforming market-leading sales organizations around the world. Be sure to meet with the Exvoyant team at Dreamforce and learn how to transform your Salesforce system from the system of record to your system of action and improvement. You can find details at exvoyant.com. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders discuss high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Scott Lease, Senior Vice President of Sales for Qualia. Qualia is removing the confusion and stress involved in how people conduct real estate transactions. The growth they're experiencing tells me that the market loves having innovation to this old, clunky way of doing business. Now, in addition to driving remarkable growth at Qualia, Scott is the best-selling author of the book, Addicted to the Process, and recently he held the very first Surf and Sales Summit in Costa Rica. He's a sought-after speaker and author, and I am so stoked to have him with us today. Scott, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on, Rob. Appreciate that. No, this is going to be fun. You, your, your, your approach to sales is one that I've been following, as a lot of people have, and I like. I've been wanting to get you on here for a while. I'm, I'm excited that you're joining us today. Why don't you start by just uh, giving our listeners an introduction to who Quali is and, and what you're doing there? Yeah, you know, the, the real estate industry, uh, as everybody knows, if you bought a house recently, uh, could use some help in kind of innovating. It's kind of a painful process, um, and it's a stressful time for people making the most important purchase of their life. Uh, it's a really old, antiquated industry. And so, you know, we're trying to attack the market from a little bit different point. We started by building settlement software for the title insurance business. So we sell software that is the, the workflow and the day-to-day for uh, people who work in real estate attorney offices and title companies all across the all across the country, just trying to eliminate inefficiencies and get them to be able to pump out um you know, more, uh, more, more, more deals every single month and, uh, you know, working with underwriters and banks and, uh, just title partners and different vendors all across the country. So we've been, uh, we've been doing really well and been growing like crazy. It's been fun so far. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that you picked a great industry because as, as, uh, you guys are quick to point out, most of the innovation is just finding a property and then they leave them to old ways of making sure you take care of the rest. For what you guys doing, I'm sure the market must find this as a breath of fresh air. Yeah, you know, the, the demand is there both from our customers as well as our customers' customers. You know, if you've bought a house recently, you know, once the offer gets accepted, it kind of everything disappears into this black box, and nobody really knows what the heck's going on. And everybody's firing phone calls and emails off to each other, and, and we're just trying to simplify all that process make it a lot more clear and, and, you know, eventually get rid of the mountain of paperwork you've got to sign at the end of the day. You know, we really want to be the platform uh, where, you know, everything real estate uh, transaction related gets done. Love it. So how, maybe you can now just, now that we've introduced quality, talk to us about how long you've been there and maybe some of the highlights have happened since you've been helping uh, build out the sales arm. I've been here for a little over a year and a half now. Um, 
you know, they, they spent and did a really good job building the product. It's a really, really complicated industry, really complicated product to build. They spent the better part of two years just building a product, not trying to go to market, anything like that. And, uh, I had done a little bit of early consulting for them, got introduced by a mutual friend, uh, as they were thinking about things and then went in and, and did a little bit more consulting for them. And this time I was really blown away by the progress they'd made. And I was in the process of trying to figure out where I was going to go next in terms of a full-time gig. And I, I sort of threw myself upon them and was like, Hey, what do you think about me coming on board full-time? Right. They weren't really looking full-time, um, at that moment, but, uh, you know, it worked out. I, I moved to San Francisco for a couple months, stayed with my brother, came home, visited my family on the weekends here in Austin, where I am right now. And, you know, just kind of immersed myself in the product and the team and figuring out how to sell it, proved that we could uh, get distribution. And then we opened up an office uh, in Austin last March. Um, and, you know, we've gone now from, gee, I guess we had about 10 people initially, and we've got about 60 something people in Austin right now. Nice. Um, yeah, we've, we've got three different offices right now in downtown Austin, but we're about to relocate and consolidate two of those offices into one, uh, south of town and we'll keep one small office downtown. So it's, uh, it's a lot, a lot of growth going on. Not just in Austin. We've, we've grown the team in San Francisco as well. I, I think we're around 110 total people now and we had, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 or so when I first started. Congratulations. That's exciting, right? And so I'm excited to get into some of the things that have driven that high growth, but I, I want to start with something that might be a little different than what we've done in the show. You, one of the things I love that you do, you, you're innovating, not just how you lead your sales team. You're, you're a great innovator for our whole practice and of sales. You just had a cool event that I've watched and I've seen a lot of people talk about. You put together, uh, this, this surf and sales thing and, and you did it with a, a great mutual friend of ours, Richard Harris. In fact, usually I don't, I mean, when I do webinars, I get, I get questions. I, my first question ever on the podcast is right now comes from our friend Richard Harris to you right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, uh, I'm supposed to ask you, ask Scott when he's going to start stealing the plays from my playbook and start doing his own thing. Oh and, my gosh. <laughs> joking, is, of course. That but, is the most Richard <laughs> statement of all time. <laughs> Uh, I thought it'd be a great way to talk and, and share with our audience about this event because it's a great example of innovation to sales. Can you talk about what you did there for a little bit? Yeah, you know, uh, Richard and I are really good friends. Our family is good friends. Uh, he has two boys. I have, I have two boys about the same age. Um, so last Thanksgiving, we went to Costa Rica and did like a, you know, anti-Thanksgiving kind of kind of thing. Um and we were down there and we were talking about his upcoming schedule and, you know, he's consultant full time and he's going to every you know, conference and show there is, it seems. And I was kind of giving him grief, like, Oh, you know, have fun in, in the Marriott in Omaha, you know, and I started yeah. saying, well, how come all these conferences are always at these, you know, boring hotels and in a big, uh, you know, convention hall kind of thing. And it's just chaos. There's always so many people and everybody's trying to sell me stuff how come nobody ever does a, you know, a sales conference in a place like this? And, you know, it's just kind of an off the cuff remark. And then I was out uh, surfing later, later that day and I was just sitting there in the water thinking, yeah, how come nobody doesn't, nobody has a, a conference, you know, in a cool place like this. And why does it have to be, you know, 10,000 people or a thousand people? Why can't it just be a small intimate setting? And I started thinking, well, what if I could get, you know, a dozen, two dozen people together in a place like this for a week? 
and just share ideas. And I don't want to stand up on, uh, you know, in front of everybody and talk for five days straight. I'd bore myself. I want to learn from all these other people. So my, the idea was like, what if we get, you know, a dozen or two like-minded people who want to do the anti-sales conference, want to get away from the hotel, want to get away from the norms, uh, don't want to be sold things, just want to share what's working for them and share their challenges and let's do deep dives on different people's businesses and, you know, let me make it easy for people. Let me uh, combine it with a vacation. You know, it was all taken care of. Like, you know, we had people cooking meals for us three times a day. I had surf instructors coming once or twice a day. Uh, you know, just like combine vacation and work. And, you know, that, that was, that was the idea of it all. And I got Richard to partner with me and I had a, a friend of mine named Jeff Coleman, uh, who's a surfer friend of mine. He, he helped with all the back end logistics. He loves to plan surf trips. And I, I got back into shore and, and, uh, said to Richard and my wife and, and his wife, I was like, I think this is actually a pretty good idea. What do you think? And, and they all said, yeah, it's a pretty good idea. So I got home. I posted something on LinkedIn, said, I'm kicking around this idea. Would you be interested? And my LinkedIn inbox, like, went absolutely nuts. I can't even remember at this point in time how many people replied, but I said, oh, okay, I think there's some traction here. So we, we went and did it, man. We went down to um, Playa no, Nosara, not Nosara, sorry, Playa Grande, uh, just near uh, Tamarindo, and uh, had, a, had a really good time. Yeah, I, I heard reports from lots of different people, and it sounds like it was a, a killer way of getting these best practices kicked around and in a, in, a, in a venue that people really appreciated. So I love that because it's an example of you bringing innovation to how people look at sales. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I, I have a guy that uh, I'm friends with. Um, his name's Justin, actually. He's VP at Outbound Works, and uh, he, he always tells me that he, he finds what I do interesting because – he says I'm against the grain. So, you know, he's like, I, somebody would ask Scott, what's the best sales book? And Scott would say, not a sales book. And then somebody <laughs> would say, what's the best way to, way to train a sales rep? And Scott would be like, take him surfing and just talk to him. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I just was like, I don't want to go to, you know, nothing against everybody who puts on fancy conferences, but, you know, I don't want to go to Dreamforce and be around 5,000 people. It's just too much for me. So you're my Mr. Miyagi now of sales, man. You're on so you can wax off. I love it. Uh, that's that's how I'm gonna think of you from now on. So, right. so so let's talk about that. So uh, again, as we we're getting ready for this, there's a couple things you do that I thought were pretty interesting that might be different when other people look. You know, one of the things that you talked about is when you came into Qualia, just like any time you look at any place, the first hire that you make when you enter a sales org, who's that hire? As a head of sales operations. Talk you know, to me about that. Yeah, talk about why. A lot of different reasons. Number one, I'm, I'm, as soon as I show up, I'm already thinking about this project at scale. And I don't mean 15, 20 people. I mean 100, 200 people. So I'm trying to build in process and systems right away that will scale rather than, okay, let me just see what I can do to patch this thing together for the next two months, and then I'll worry about scaling it later. Um Second reason is, you know, I think that I know pretty well what my strengths and weaknesses are. You know, I am not the guy who's going to go dive into Salesforce and build out every single report you can think of. I know what reports I, I need, which ones I want. That's not my passion. So I want somebody 
to go build and execute and put these things together while I'm working with the sales reps and I'm trying to help, uh, you know, nail down our, our, our sales pitch and our, our materials and collateral and I'm helping them try to close deals and thinking through things strategically and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I have just found, you know, the more that I've done this, that I, I, I don't even, I would not even take a job anymore unless I was convinced that the, uh, you know, founder or CEO was on the same page with me that that was going to be my first hire. And I will try to hire the most senior person that I can, can get away with, with that first hire. So I'm not trying to hire, you know, most junior level sales ops person I can find. I'm trying to hire somebody straight away. Who's like, you know, director level, even if, if I could find a VP level person, even if we could go that route, I would, I, that person is my rock. You know, I, they're, they're my partner in crime, so to speak. So I'm super interested and I don't want to just make this a superficial part of this conversation because that's a little different. I mean, a lot of times we, we kind of work towards that. What are the mistakes you feel that you can avoid? You've talked a little bit about reporting, some other things, but, but outside of like that, that surface level, what are like the things that you find that because if you get this right, what happens faster that otherwise might be slow? That's a great question. You know, most importantly, I think it's a matter of me losing track of my time and, and not prioritizing my time the right way. Hmm. So said differently, what happens is the reps ramp slower if I'm sucked away building out operational things. Okay. That's less time that I get to spend sitting on calls with them, actively participating in their deals. Less time that I uh, get to spend listening to recordings of their calls and providing feedback. Less time I get to spend with them just having, you know, heart-to-heart conversations about their pipeline, about sales, about life, about their goals, all these. These are the things that interest me, okay? Nailing the operational stuff and getting all the, uh, you know, uh, dispositions set and all the workflows going on. And, and that's not, that's not my passion. I, yeah. I know all that stuff is important. Okay. I know we need all of this data. I want to sit here and be like, okay, we need closed lost reasons. Here's all the closed lost reasons. I want you to go put in the pick list. Got it. There's about 20 of them. Okay. Go get that done for me. Boom. Yeah. I'm going over here and I'm working with my people, my salespeople, my sales managers, <clears throat> so if I don't do that, I think the ramp and the progress and the performance of my sales reps uh, would suffer. And that's just the way that I've, you know, evolved how I, how I build and grow sales orgs over the, over the years. I love it. I, what I, what's screaming to me right now, Scott, is you're, it's not just talk. I mean, you are absolutely committed to your people. That's what I'm digging about this. And I'm guessing that your reps must feel that. I mean, is it hard for a leader to have that, like, really that authenticity and in, in the commitment to their success? Is it hard to have that come through? Is it easy to have that distraction, like, get in the way of that? That's a great question. Um, I don't think it's hard to do. I think it's hard for people to do, if that makes any sense. It's not. It's not a difficult thing for me. Talk to, to me, Mr. Miyagi. Let's go. <laughs> it's not a difficult thing for me to 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 care about the people who work with me right. and, and work and work for me. It's not difficult at all for me to show concern and effort and give myself to them. You know, I, I say to my team all the time, how can I make your job easier today? Give me, give me, give me some shit to do. 
Yep. You know, hopefully yep. I can, hopefully I can curse on this podcast. I just of course realized. You can. Go okay, for it, good. I'm free. <laughs> You're free. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, give, give me some things. Tell me all the blockers, right? Go, 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 tell me what things you need me to eliminate that are preventing you from, from moving forward. And, and how can, how can I help you? What's, why do you need to make this commission check? What do we, okay. Let, now I understand why, why you're fighting so hard. And now I understand, you know, why I need to work so hard to help you succeed. That's not a difficult thing to do. What's difficult is for sales leaders to actually step outside of their own world and, and realize that it's not all about them and their number and, and their success and barking orders at people and all this kind of thing. It's too easy for, for sales leaders to get sucked into the world of, you know, board meetings and right. executive meetings. And let me, I need to, I have, you know, a two hour meeting with the VP of marketing today so we can get on the same page. You know, nothing against my VP of marketing, but like, I don't want to talk to him for two hours every single day. You know, I'm in those kind of meeting. I'm in those kind of meetings and I'm looking at my watch going, are we done yet? Like, I got to get back out to my, to my floor. These are my, these are my people. These are my troops. Yeah. These are the people counting on me. So it's not a difficult thing to do. It's just difficult. I think for some leaders to prioritize, you know, where they spend their time and, and, and the people underneath you that are working for you, they're the ones that are going to make you look good. You don't need to worry about making yourself look good in executive meetings. All right. If your people are doing well, you're going to look good. Amen. You know what I love is as you started talking about this, like you became like visible, if you can be visibly over a podcast, like more animated. Like I listen to you, you get, you're getting fired up just talking about it right now. And so that is, that is like this great hallmark for these top, top high growth sales leaders is they are so committed to their people and they do not let things get in the way of that. So I'm, this was awesome. I appreciate it. We, we can make the whole show just about this. Uh, anything to finish this topic off before we shift over to another thing that I think people are going to really like is you kind of think through, you, you know, this ops job, what it helps you do. And mostly what I think it is, is it's helped you get committed. Maybe my question might be, how do you know if you find the right guy for that? What do you look for for that person? That's, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. What do you look for in that person? You know, to be honest with you, I try to find somebody who used to sell. So they, they understand the pain of being a salesperson. So that's an ideal situation for me. Uh, now that could be upsell, cross sell, sort of customer success, you know, account management type, uh, type sales. That's okay with me as well. It could be, you know, the cold calling hunter, uh, kind of salesperson, but somebody who has sales experience. I also look for somebody who's got Management leadership experience. Again, that could be customer success type, uh, team lead management experience. It could be sales manager type, uh, experience. My last two heads of sales operation, one, one lady is now, uh, VP of operations and customer success at another company. She, uh, started her career as, you know, an entry level customer success person, then became like a, uh, customer success team manager and then moved into sales operations. My current one at Qualia, uh, she used to work with me at a company about eight years ago and she was, you know, just getting started in her career, entry level inside sales, then became a sales manager, then moved on and went to a different company and was an SDR manager before getting into kind of sales operations there. And then boom, I brought her over as, you know, director of, uh, of sales ops. So I think it's important to have somebody who's, um, got an operational analytical kind of mind who likes solving all those kind of 
problems and, and loves process and all this kind of stuff. Somebody who understands selling and somebody who understands how to build a team and manage people. Scott, that was fantastic. Okay. I love how you just now shared. We're talking about finding people, what to look for. How do you get them? You have a unique pr- approach now to not only finding them, but you have this really interesting way of reducing and sometimes eliminating recruiting costs altogether. How the heck do you do that? Uh, I just did it from building my own network, you know, um, I, I was not much of a, a LinkedIn participant until uh, a little less than a year ago. Uh, and then I don't exactly remember what happened, but uh, something clicked and I was like, oh man, um, I, I, there, 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 there's a platform here. There's a way for me to be really, really uh, powerful, get, get my word out, um, you know, and start getting people coming towards me and coming towards the companies that I, that I work with. And so but even before I moved to Austin about seven years ago, I couldn't stand paying for job board, job ad stuff, the monsters, yep. career builders, you know, all these kind of things, Craigslist. I mean, however desperate you are. Right. And I'm just sitting there passively waiting for things to come in. So I was always talking to people and emailing people and, and asking who, Hey, who do you know here and doing all this kind of thing. I just didn't maximize the LinkedIn uh, platform. Came to Austin seven years ago. Austin was a small startup community seven or eight years ago. And I came here with a company called Main Street Hub. I, I you know, did really well with that company. In the, I was there for two and a half years. I had like 200 salespeople in four different offices across the country. So now I've got this like small army in New York and L.A. and San Francisco and Austin and I just started pining that network all over the place. And so I went to the next company, Outbound Engine, and, you know, a decent number of people in Austin knew who I was at this point in time from the two and a half years that I had spent at this other company growing all over the place. And so people yep. started coming, coming towards me and the people that used to work for me at one place went to this other place. And then, you know, I just poured gasoline on, on this thing, you know, like I said, about a year ago, and I decided to max out my connections. So I've got... 30,000 connections on LinkedIn, which I don't know Dang. if you know that, but that's, that's the max you can have. Nice. Uh, I, I've got X number of followers on there now. So I'm at, I'm at the point now where, you know, I, I can make one post that says, Hey, I need a couple of salespeople. And I got dozens of people sending huh. me messages. It's yep. just all to all top of funnel. Right. And, and this is all across the country now. So if you guys are trying to hire, you know, in, 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 in Utah over there, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I could probably make a post and I could get a handful of people to fill your top of, top of funnel for, you know, account executive, SDR, sales manager kind of roles. And so my network has grown. Toot that horn, Scott. Toot my, that horn, man. My network has grown and expanded so much now that a lot of what I do in my uh, consulting practice and, you know, strategic advisory gigs is help people find VPs of sales and head of sales and sales manager roles, you know. And, and, you know, you know, as well as I do, you hire a recruiter to find you a VP of sales, you're paying 20, 25% a lot of of year one's salary, right? Yep. Well, you know, it's a lot cheaper if you, if you've, if you work with somebody, you know, like me, who's got this network and I can just do a couple things and, you know, introduce people and boom, you know, magic happens. So I haven't spent a dime in my entire uh, 19 months at Qualia on any kind of job ad, job board whatsoever. I don't even write job recs for the sales wow. roles, which kind of annoys some, some uh, you know, applicants. 
you know, I, somebody says on LinkedIn, sends me a note, says, Hey, do you have a job rec for this? I'm like, no, I don't have a job rec. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a sales job. It's like, it's like most account executive jobs. Let's just talk about what the details are. Right. But yeah, I don't, anyway, that's the, that's the trick. It's not really, you know, so, so rocket science. Yeah, no, I like it. So your growth is coming as you, you get a, you get the right guy to help you so you can keep your time in the right place. Uh, you've got a way, you've got a, a good way of making sure you got plenty of good talent to be looking at. As you look back over the last, you know, couple of years that you've been uh, doing this with Qualia, what do you think your biggest sales challenge has been and, and how do you attack that? Uh, you know, my, my biggest sales challenge in this role by far is that I'm just in this very, very old antiquated industry and people are absolutely terrified of change. Uh, you know, I, I explained it as like me trying to call up my 95 year old grandmother and say, Hey, um, I want you to get an iPhone eight. And, and she's just going, what, what are you talking about? I know that, I know that that machine is way more powerful than anything else, but I don't, I don't want to learn all this new stuff. Like I'd rather just not deal with it. And that's the attitude, uh, with a lot of the, the prospects and, and folks that, that we talk to. So getting people, you know, over that fear of change and getting them to start to develop some sense of urgency around making the switch and going more modern and recognizing the advantages, whether it's cost savings or, you know, additional customers coming in or more efficiency or even just, uh, sort of happiness score of your staff. It's a big, it's a big challenge. It's a big challenge. And the companies in this space have been around for 20, 25 years and they're sort of titans of industry, if you will. And, and, you know, that they're, they've been around for a long time and, you know, they, the competition looks at us as like, Hey, look at these kids coming in, you know, don't come from this industry and they're the outsiders. Don't trust them kind of thing. So we're, we're, tr- we're trying to break down all those, you know, all those walls and all those, all those stereotypes. And that's, that's been the hardest part so far. So we're, as maybe what I think my favorite thing we're going to talk about today in the last couple of minutes that we have, one of the things that I love about you, Scott, and this has come through in this interview, and I want to thank you again. You, you've been every bit as good as I thought you'd be and then some. You're awesome. Um, your background is unique because you, you were a consultant. You helped a lot of people consult, and then you got back in, and now you're running this team. There's a lot of people who consult and, you know, they, they were good salespeople and then they, they make a living as a consultant. You've gotten back in the game. So you're really fresh on both sides and you're really uniquely positioned and you found that the things you used to consult on, you're now doing and it's, you're kicking ass and you're having success. If you were to say, what's a blueprint? What would the non-negotiables be if you were going to talk to anybody that's building a sales, a sales team? I don't care if it's a big one or a small one. What are the non-negotiables for high growth success? that you would say should be on that blueprint? Um, I think you need to, you need to understand how to sell this particular, particular product yourself first. Uh, you know, a lot of the advice I give, love that all the advice, I, a lot of the advice I give founders who are trying to bring in these uh, new heads of sales. I, I find myself saying to them, look, I know you want results instantaneously, but you need to give this gal a couple months to figure out what the hell she's doing. Okay. She needs to understand your industry first. She needs to understand your product. She needs to understand the competitive landscape. She needs to put her head around, uh, you know, figuring out how to pitch this. She needs to figure out, you know, 
What's the regionalization look like? What's the, you know, do we need to have an enterprise mid-market SMB team? Do I need an SDR team? I need to put together collateral. Like those are results at the beginning. And that's a difficult thing sometimes for a founder to hear. And it's probably a difficult thing sometimes for, you know, the, the VCs and the board to hear. But those are results. It is a result. Okay. Now I know how, know what, I know what the hell I'm doing. All right. Yep. I, I think too many VPs of sales are like, here, here's the product. Here's the industry. You know, four days later, go make some shit happen. And, and I want to see the results in, in the first month or the first quarter. And you end up getting a lot of this, uh, sort of technical debt on the sales side. And, you know, you, you've got to be able to. I love that term, technical debt. Now you got this hole that you're sh- trying to climb out of that you shouldn't have had in the first place, right? Yeah. Yeah. I stole that term from my brother who's going to laugh that I just used his engineering term. In, in, that is, in a that's a badass term. I like that term. That's, that's good. Uh, so you, you, you've got to have that because now, now you have buy-in and believability from the people around you. You know, um, in April, uh, of this year, I, I closed what, what at the time was the largest deal in, in, uh, in Koi's history. And it took me over a year and I had a lot of different people involved in the company doing all these things, but I was still the one working it. Yep. And, you know, y- y- I pull that in and, and the hope is that people see, well, shit, this guy's still, you know, he's still out there making deals happen as yep. well. I love you know, that. And I might not be the best demo person on my team any, anymore because I'm not in the weeds with it all the time. Right. But I still understand the prospects and, and their pain and their, and their needs and their goals and the objections and how to get around them and contract negotiations. So I think it's just really important for you to not end up in a corner office staring at spreadsheets and Salesforce reports all day long. You know, Great that, that, that to me is, you know, a no, a no brainer. Like you, you, you got to keep that at, at the top of mind at all times, you know, by the yeah, way, by the way, I want to hear the others, but by the way, that reinforces how you started this freaking show, Scott, where you said, the reason I need those guys doing the other stuff is so I can be with my people. I yeah. love it. Yeah. 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 Let's hear the rest. Keep going. I love this. Well, the, other, the, the other stuff is, you know, we, we touched on already is like, if I you got to get a sales ops person. Don't spend your time unless you already are really good at all that stuff and you have a passion for it as a sales leader. Don't spend your time doing that stuff that, you know, you don't, uh, don't want to be doing. The other thing is you got to build a network. You got to build a network. You should be able to recruit. You should be able to pull people, you know, from other, other orgs, places that you've worked before, people that you know. You, you know, I, I, uh, I shudder when I see, you know, a new sales org trying, trying to scale and, they, and they've got job posts all over the place. I'm thinking, what the hell did you hire the head of sales for? Isn't their job to get the first, you know, half dozen people in there or the first dozen people, or the first 50 people in there? Build a network. You know, let people see who you are, you know, talk about stuff that's non-conventional or conventional. Don't be afraid to say some, you know, slightly controversial things. You know, I, I, this is totally off topic, but like a couple, couple days ago, I was walking through this WeWork space and I saw a couple people, not kidding, in single cell offices, kicking back in their chair. And as I'm walking past them, I can see that they're just looking at Instagram memes and I'm thinking, what the hell are you spending money for? So I wrote, I wrote this, uh, you know, small rant on LinkedIn about it. Well, it has like 600 likes, 120, uh, comments, over a hundred thousand views. Sure, these are vanity metrics, but those are, that's a hundred thousand people who saw that post who for at least a split second know my name. 
Okay. Yep. And if they know my name, they might look at my profile. If they look at my profile, they might see Qualia. If they see Qualia, they might dig in and figure out what that is. If they see all the companies that I'm an advisor for, they might dig in and look there. And then some of those people might send me a note that says, Hey, you know, uh, this company over here that you're an advisor to in, in Germany, uh, looks pretty interesting. You know, what can you tell me about it? And I, I think that, uh, you've got to do that. That, that should be a, a non-starter. You know, if you, if you, if you're not doing that kind of stuff as a sales leader, you're not doing it right. These are, these are great recommendations. And I don't care what kind of company you're in. I don't care if it's big, medium, small. All three of these are awesome. Anything you'd finish that up with? Those are three great ones, Scott. No, that's, that's enough for now. I don't want to overwhelm myself (laughs) or anyone else. (laughs) Well, well, once again, I have failed to keep us, uh, in that 25 to 30 minute range. We're, 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 we're going long once again. and, And I appreciate your willingness to come and be on the show with everyone. I want to finish with you uh, the way I finish with everybody that's been on the show. Uh, one of the common things, and you've already actually said, uh, that's why I call you the Mr. Miyagi now, what's the best book, not a book. One of the things that people do quite often like to do is they're searching to improve is they look for things to read. Any reading, even if it's non-conventional reading, you, you would say is a really good suggestion for someone that's in the sales leadership business? Yeah, here's the best thing you could do. Read stories and books about people who suffer and struggle and overcome. That's what you need to read. Can you give me an example? Oh man. Uh, into thin air is a book about uh, what an awesome book, by the yeah, way. Yeah. 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 Uh, biographies. I, I just last night at a friend's birthday, I was talking uh, to somebody about how I read the 700 page Mike Tyson biography. Yep. Uh, you know, not necessarily the greatest human being, but, that guy's early part of his life was pure hell and to read and learn about how he stayed focused and became successful, um, was really interesting, uh, to me. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I, for people who don't know, you know, I've been very open about my, my past and my, my health struggles, uh, with illness and fight with uh, addiction in my early twenties and all this kind of thing. So these yeah. kind of stories, these are the things that motivate me. Okay. Nothing against, you know, generic ABC how to sell books out there, but those don't do it for me. Those don't get me excited. Okay. I want to hear about what kind of hell you went through, how you survived it. All right. Love it. And what you're doing with yourself now. You know, I'm on this kick right now that our friend Richard Harris started. I blame him for this new uh, habit (laughs) of mine. He, He got me started to listen to these, these rock band audiobooks. So I listened to like the Duff McKagan uh, biography from Guns N' Roses. And I just nice. listened to the Nikki Six, uh, biography from, from Motley Crue. And these guys have these like outrageous stories that are, you know, decadent, humorous, and then absolutely brutal. And, you know, they've, they've come through it and they've come out the other side. So, you know, when you're in sales, you're going to fail 99% of the time, right? Yep. So what do you have to be? You have to be very resilient. You have to be very mentally tough. You have to be used to failure and not giving up. And so I think if you read things that, that are all these stories of people, you know, fighting and, and persevering, that's going to strengthen that part of you, that part of your brain. And I think, I think that all salespeople and sales leaders and entrepreneurs and just people in general, we all, we all could use a little more dose of that. Oh, I love it. Of course, we have to do the contrudest plug for addicted to the process. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll plug that one too. But that's so great. It's so unique. And I, I'm not surprised you went unique on us, Scott. You know, I, 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 I'm not one of the guys who can read 
as many books as most. I try to read three a month and one's on sales because I'm in the sales world. One's on leadership because I'm in the leadership world. And so I'm always looking for sales books or leadership books. But my third one that I try to do is I look for something that's success oriented for the same reason that you said. I want to find where people like went through hell and came out on the other side because that's what we really are. Sales leaders, we got to be in the success business. So. Scott, you uh, you did not disappoint, man. In uh, in a show that's had a lot of people drop a lot of awesome insights, uh, you've just done a fantastic job. I hope everybody has enjoyed hearing what you've had to say as much as I've enjoyed discussing it with you today. You, Scott Lease, uh, Scott, how do they find more of you? How do they follow you? I know you got your thirty thousand already. How how do they get more of what you got to offer? Well, you, you won't be able to connect with me, but you can follow me on LinkedIn and you can send me, uh, messages on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I treat LinkedIn like a regular, uh, inbox. You know, I, I respond to everybody. That's the best, easiest way, uh, to stay in contact with me. You follow what I'm up to. Uh, I'm putting on surfing sales 2019. We're going to do it again. Probably going to be in, in springtime next year. So hopefully we get some people who are interested in that. Uh, you can find my book on uh, on Amazon, Addicted to the Process, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm accessible, you know. Awesome, and uh, and to get more on Qualia, Qualia.com, love it. Hey, he's the Mr. Miyagi of sales, right? He he slows down so he can speed up. He waxes on so he can wax off. Uh, Scott Lease, if you are not following him, start following him now. Scott, amazing conversation. Thanks so much, and happy selling. Thanks, Rob. Enjoyed it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did this even matter? And I hope you loved Scott. Scott's a stud. Scott's a fantastic sales leader. But most important, he's an unbelievable human being. The things that Scott's done in his career are amazing, but the challenges that he's overcome are even more impressive. I encourage you to connect with him and learn more about his story. He's overcome these tremendous challenges in his life, and his personal story is really, really inspirational, and everyone that hears it is better off. So check it out. Read his books, get his stuff, and you'll really be glad you did because we could have spent the whole episode talking about that. That story has been told lots of times by Scott. I wanted to really dive into his leadership approach. And as you listen to him talk, his personal path to becoming a world-class sales leader has left him with a clear understanding of the importance of doing what he's passionate about and what he's best at. So this is a big deal because he has this clarity of thought around just how precious and important his time and his cycles are. And as a result, what he's found is the most important thing for him is the one-on-one time with the salespeople on his team. And I hope you could hear that. You could hear in his voice how animated he gets and just how fired up he is as he talks about helping his reps in those personal journeys they have. He talks about connecting to each one wherever they are. And this is why he believes that, at least for him, the most important person he hires wherever he goes is a world-class, top-of-the-table, fantastic sales ops professional. And you'll notice he made a big deal that it had to be the very best one he could find. He said it needs to be a very senior-level person. 
This person needs to be experienced. They need to be senior. They need to have sold. He wants someone who can handle that part of things, not because it's unimportant. He doesn't jettison that off to the side because it doesn't matter. It's beneath him. It's the opposite of that. He does it because it's so important. He wants it done right. He needs to know that it's done by someone who gets it. But by knowing that the data and the infrastructure and the operational side of things is right, he can use the tools that they create to really connect to each individual and focus on those pathways for each rep. And his non-negotiables are super simple to discuss, but the simpler it becomes, the more intense and ridiculous your focus needs to get. And that's what really screamed at me. The, the things that he really talked about, you, know, you go, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. But the reason he's so great at it is he makes sure nothing gets in the way. He doesn't let other meetings get in the way. He doesn't let other roles get in the way. He makes sure that he protects that time. And it was really simple. Get the right operational help, which we already mentioned. Number two, connect with each rep. Make sure you're authentic and that you've prioritized understanding what their priorities are. Make their priorities your priorities so you can get them and most effectively help them. And then third, build a reliable network. Now, his focus on networking was really important. It, it, it had a lot of benefits that you heard him talk about. But here's my definition of networking. My definition of networking might be a little different than maybe what you thought of. Mine is this. It's building relationships you can count on before you need them. And so I want you to think about that. Networking is building relationships you can count on before you need them. And so to do that, you've got to be valuable and you've got to give before you get. Too often, we're, we're takers and we're not givers. And so I think that that's a really important thing for us to understand. If you were to boil down what our role as leaders is, it's get the right people there, make sure you're connected to your people, and then the final thing that you do is you make sure that you are continuing to build relationships you can count on before you need them. So when you need them, you can do what many of our other guests have said. You can fire that bat signal off into the sky and you can attract the right people. You can get the right help. You can do all kinds of things because you have this powerful network. And in today's world, having a strong network, he said, was a non-negotiable for every single sales leader. So I hope you found those three things were really important. It was people, people, people right? This wasn't about other tactics or things that you do. We've had a lot of times where it's about coaching tactics and et cetera. This is about people, 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 operational people, sales people, and network people. At the end of the day, I believe this. Teams will always reflect their leaders. Always, always, always. So make sure that your team gets enough of you and with you so you can make sure you're reflecting the part of you that they need the most. So with that, I hope you enjoyed Scott. I hope you loved his Mr. Miyagi approach to sales leadership. He's the anti-establishment leader that every one of us can learn, learn a ton from. I hope each of you took a lot of notes and goes back and listens to this again. I want to thank you for following the podcast. Keep those, uh, those great reviews coming. We're now on Spotify, so you can find us there as well. And as always, I want to remind you, don't worry. Just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.